0: It's always, uh, it's always fun to see people show up in the rain, because uh, rain will make people do some crazy things. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, we are going to continue talking about the monsters under our bed. And today, I want to talk about the future monster. Those are the times that we lay in bed at night, and we just worry about the things that are to come. Uh, as a parent, I worry about my children. Are they being raised right? Are they going to grow up and be productive citizens? Are they going to be good, godly men? These are the things I worry about. Um, but you know, as I got to thinking about these future monsters that we all face, you know, I think it really starts somewhere around eleventh grade when you're in high school because that's like the first time you begin to think about college. and so, Really, for the first time in your life, you begin to think about what is life going to look like outside of school because everything has been provided to me, and now I have to kind of be responsible. And so you begin to think about where do I go to college? Do I leave now and go get a job? But then as you continue on, the thoughts only get worse because then you're like, all right, what do I do about marriage and children and what do I do about a career and retirement? And all these different things plague us as we get older. And so these future monsters, uh, they become the things that keep us awake at night. We outgrew the monsters that we thought were literally under our bed, and now we've gotten older and realized that the new monsters are things that keep us awake, and so uh, I want to spend some time this morning talking about that. How do we plan our future? How do we move forward? These are realities of life, and so how do we conquer these monsters? But let's pray first. God, thank you for this opportunity we have to be in your house, Um, Lord, for just the blessings that you give us, that we have so freely in our country, and so today, God, as we Spend time in your word as we spend time looking at your ideals, your thoughts for us, your plans for us. Um, help us, God, to be submissive to those things. Help us to be quick to listen to you this morning as you speak, but also quick to obedience, God, when you call us to action. I pray for each and every person here that you, you would do such a mighty thing in their life. And I give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. If you want to turn with me, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6. Um, and to set the scene for you in Matthew chapter 6, it's a part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this has been going on now for a few chapters, but this is just one long sermon that Jesus preaches to just large crowd of eager people. They were ready to hear what Jesus had to say, and Jesus covers a whole lot of topics in this. Um, and so when we get into Matthew chapter 6, he even covers several different things here, but at the end of the chapter is what we want to look at, because... In this section, Jesus is addressing the anxiety of the crowd. If you would imagine what it was like to live in those times, they were under the oppression of the Romans. And and so their whole livelihood was dependent on one leader who could dictate how everything would change for them. And they know from history how a nation can change the outcome of their future. They know what it's like to be persecuted and be enslaved by another country They know what it's like to be set off course from what God's called them to do. They know what it's like to go through persecution and be punished for what they believe. And so Jesus is speaking to a crowd of anxious people who are uncertain about what their future is going to look like. Are they going to have any money to do anything? Are they going to have any any hope of a future for their children? These are the things that they're trying to process as Jesus is speaking to them. And as we get ready to look at this last half of the chapter... um, it really sounds similar to where we are today, right? We have all kinds of troubles that are scaring us in our future. And so Jesus offers some words of comfort to, let, to remind them that though the surroundings may change and things seem uncertain in your future, the one who controls all things is still in control. And this morning we find ourselves facing many of these fears and it's the stuff that keeps us awake at night, our future anxieties. We watched a month ago as terrorists set explosions off in what seemed like an innocent concert, taking no disregard for children. And this a few, few weeks ago, a few days ago, we saw them drive and explode a bomb into a bridge. And. Those may seem like, oh, that doesn't happen to us, but in the midst of all that, we are facing the uncertainty of what happens within other countries. Are we going to come to blows with North Korea? Is something going to happen between us and Russia? And so we have these uncertainties. And then even close to home, we read stories of people walking in the buildings and having no regard for the sanctity of life. They will begin shooting and stabbing people, and there's no reason to it. Then we find, or many of us find comfort in the midst of all this in our own faith. And this week we read the story and hear the news of how a senator begins to talk about Christianity as being this hateful thing and begins to chastise someone for their beliefs. And every place that you think you can go for comfort seems uncertain. And if it doesn't keep you awake at night, then I would love to spend time with you and learn how it doesn't because it bothers me. I worry about what kind of world my kids are going to grow up in, how uncertain it's going to be. You know, even you have all kinds of changes, not only in our country and across our world. And so as it seems as though persecution is on the rise from other countries, from terrorists and those opposed to Christianity, in this moment, we need the words of Jesus to calm our future anxieties. And so Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Jesus, continuing his Sermon on the Mount, speaking to a group of eager people who are facing anxiety similar to what we're going through, says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Jesus reminds us in this statement that he continues on with that this future monster is not greater than the God we serve. He's looking at a group of anxious people who don't know how things are going to turn out. And he looks at them face to face and says, I know sometimes you question what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what's going to happen in your life. If your kids are going to go to college, if if the Jews are even going to be a race of people anymore, you question all these things. But if God takes care of a bird who doesn't sow nor reap, but he ensures that it's taken care of, don't you know that that same father will take care of you? It's a reminder that even though I feel like my circumstances are so much bigger than anything else I can face, that the God I serve is even greater than that. See, we lay in bed and and really what we do is we worry. And so that's one of the things I want to talk about it. Because worry is when we either lack faith or we lack preparedness. That's the only reason that we worry. Right? For instance... One of my things that I struggle with is is retirement. Like I want to be able to enjoy life when I'm older. And so I worry about it from time to time. And the question is, is it my lack of faith that God's going to take care of me? Or is it that I'm not preparing for that future? That's really what worry is. It's just this uncomfortableness that we feel either in the faith that we have in God or really in the preparedness that we've set out. Worry is brought about by three different things. Insecurity, something bad is going to happen. Helplessness, there's nothing I can do. Or isolation, there's no one who can help me. And these three may operate individually or they may combine themselves inside of you for even greater worry. When I worry about my kid's future Some of it is the helplessness, that I can't physically control how things turn out. Some of it is the isolation, when you feel like nobody understands what our family is going through. And then sometimes it's a mix of insecurity, or I'm just afraid something bad is going to happen. But those are the symptoms of what uh, worry really is. Now, I I read a thing that said worry is like a rocking chair. It'll keep you busy, but it won't get you anywhere. And so how do we combat this future monster and its worries? First, it may seem obvious, we trust in God. The best remedy to deal with the problems is to face the causes of the problem. Insecurity, helplessness, isolation. Those are just symptoms. There's a greater problem then. And so while we may feel insecure, the reality is we are secure. The writer of Hebrews says in 4.16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may, have, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And while we may feel helpless, the reality is we have great help. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us it's the greatest help we could ever ask for if the creator of the universe is the one who's in my corner who else would I want to help me in that project and while we may feel isolated the reality is that God is always at our side Jesus right before he left and departed back into heaven he said this in Matthew 28 20 and behold I am with you always to the end of the age to know that we are not alone to know that the greatest help we need is, at our, is living within us. And to know that all of our worries subside to who our Creator is it should be the comfort we need to trust God in these things. The remedy for anxiety and worry about our future is complete trust and confidence in God's ability to deal with anything that threatens us. I don't know if you're a man and you've ever done a project around your house. But I have. My wife has asked me to do something. And while I'm not the most skilled person, I feel like I can do a lot of things if I can watch a video on YouTube first. And so my wife had asked me to do something that involved tearing something down. And over and over again, she kept saying, are you sure we don't need to call for help? Are you sure we don't need to call for help? And I realized that she had no trust and confidence in the fact that I could get this task done. And I say that. Because many times when we're going through these future thoughts, most of us are going, wait, are we sure that it's going to turn out this way? Like I raised my kids, but are are we sure it's going to turn out this way? I've been putting money in my retirement, but are, are we sure that it's going to work out this way? And really what we're saying to God is, I don't have the confidence or the trust that you can get me to where I need to be. It's important to understand when worry hits us because of future things that are outside of our control that we place our trust back in God because He is the only one who can get us through those things. Second is to take practical steps. I'm going to name some steps for you, but second is to take practical steps. The first practical steps are step that may seem obvious as well as is read the Bible. Committing ourselves to God's safekeeping requires that we grow in our knowledge of God and love for Him. If I am to trust that God can get me through this, then I must study and have the knowledge that He's proven that He's gotten me through it in the past. It's important that we read and study our Word to understand that God is who He says He is. Right? If you were to be hiring somebody for some job, uh, one of the things you would do is a background check. You'd go, I want to make sure that this person is who they say they are. And, you know, you can get different feedback on those things. And in some cases, we've been invited to do the same thing with God. And it's through his word where it says, if you don't trust that I'm going to do it, why don't you just do a background check on me and see? And we found that God has proven himself faithful time and time again, even in the most troubling situations, that though worries overcome people, God stands true through those things. And we learn that through reading our Bible. We also need to be realistic, Peace of mind does not depend on solving all the problems, righting all the wrongs, removing all the imperfections, or getting all we want. If we go in with that mentality, we'll be let down soon. We have to have realistic expectations. Um, My oldest son, I love dearly. Make sure you put that in there when this story comes. But the first time I ever saw him play basketball, I learned that uh, the NBA was not his future. Right? I can I see that at a young age. And so as a result, I don't push him to play athletics. Now, he likes technology, I'll put it. But we had to have this realistic com- expectations of our child, right? And so as a result, I'm not laying in bed worrying if he's going to be the next highest draft pick in the NBA because I haven't put unrealistic expectations on the future. All right? And so when you are worrying about things, the evaluation you have to think is, Am I putting unrealistic expectations on the problem that I'm facing? So we need to be realistic about it. Some things that will not change and we need to be realistic enough to accept is one, there are problems that have no solutions. Be realistic about it. There are situations that must simply be lived through. There's times we go through things where we say, God, take it out of my path. But we have to live through it and we have to be realistic that just because God doesn't remove it doesn't mean that we're not living where we need to be. Uh, William James said, the art of being wise is the art of knowing what to overlook. See, wisdom doesn't come because we've been perfectly executed every problem we faced. Sometimes we have to look over some of our failures. Realistic knowledge of our own limitations ought to cause us to relax to slow down. When we make a mistake, It's our understanding that our disposition from the beginning of time was to ascend nature. means that I cannot go into complete meltdown just because I've made a a mistake, right? It's because I understand that my limitations are such. Besides the noble art of getting things done, it's the noble art of leaving things undone. Sometimes moving forward means that we don't finish everything. It's not always a bad thing to leave things unfinished. Because sometimes something greater is on the horizon. The wisdom of life consists in the elimination of non-essentials. Meaning that I can move forward in life when I remove the things that aren't essential to the path that I want to go on. If my, my whole objective in life is to be a certain thing, if things are in my life that are not essential to that, then it needs to be removed. Right? We talk about fear, we talked about it last week, and we talked about how fear enslaves us And really prohibits us from doing the things God really wants us to do. I I lay in fear of what my kids' outcome is going to be. But I also allow that fear to take away valuable time of impacting them. It's not essential when it needs to be removed. We must learn to let go of some problems and allow the Lord to be in charge of them. And we need to be flexible because change is inevitable. We have to be resilient, adaptable, and adjustable. And under stress, if we can't bend will surely break. Our faith must be in him who changes not. There are some things, or excuse me, some changes we ought to resist without compromise. And wisdom can tell us when to change and when to hold our ground. And so we have to focus on the good cares, minimize the unnecessary ones, and learn to live one day at a time. Another principle is that proper use of today diminishes anxiety about tomorrow. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow Of its worries and sorrows, it only empties today of its strengths. When I worry about the things of tomorrow, it doesn't affect tomorrow. It affects me today. It's the sleep depravity. It's the valuable time I could have been spending with my family. When we allow it to consume our life in that way, worry is the interest paid on troubles before it falls due. And many, if not most of all of our, of, of our fears, fears will turn out to be unfounded. Uh, Winston Churchill said on his deathbed that he had a lot of troubles in his life. Most of which never happened. Most of us feel the same way. A lot of the things I worry about never come true. Right? I literally worried all the way to church today because of some stuff. I mean, and, and the truth is I know that most of them will never pan out. But we can't help it. We worry about things. And it's just a reminder That we are to stay grounded in Christ. Another principle is to stay busy. Anxiety and idleness often go hand in hand. Blessed is the person who is too busy to worry in the daytime and too sleepy to worry at night. Come on. That's how I want to live my life, right? Too busy to worry, too sleepy to worry at night. Much can be accomplished, even adverse circumstances, if we will quit concentrating on what cannot be done and do what can be done. Our great business and life is not to see what lies dimly at a distance but to do what lies clearly at hand another principle is to learn contentment a lesson that paul himself had to learn paul said in, in philippians 4 11 through 13 not that i'm speaking of being in need for i have learned in whatever situation i am to be content i know how to be brought low and i know how to abound in In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul looked at the life he had been dealt and said, I can handle this if I handle it through Christ. He learned to be content. We need to be able to rejoice in the Lord, which we can do if we continually count our blessings. And the Christian ought to be able to see the silver lining in the darkest cloud. Anxiety often comes from having too much rather than too little. And our wealth depends not so much on what we have as to what we can do without. And the last thing I want to talk about when we talk about the monsters under our bed is our children's future. I worry about my own life. It consumes me from time to time. It takes over some valuable areas that I wish it wasn't in. And really it speaks more to my faith and then anything else but then there comes into this my children's future and I worry about that one is I will stand accountable before God one day for my family and I want to stand accountable before God and say I did everything you ever asked me to do for my children and so I worry about that but we have the comforting words of one of the wisest men where he tells us if we raise our children in obedience to God we'll find that they will be in that same place when they get older And so the challenge becomes not about my lack of faith because God has already promised if I raise them in his obedience, he will ensure their salvation and their future. So I have that promise from God. And so my worry lays in my preparedness. Am I doing everything I can for my children? Am I giving them the time they need? Am I giving them the love that they need? Am I giving them the wisdom that they need? Am I giving them the discipline that they need? need? All those things are what we contemplate when we look at our children's future and we worry at night. And I know for me the most challenging thing is if I if I'm giving them the time that they need. Because we've met that person who grew up with an absent parent in their life and we see the bitterness they come to, come to work with, they come to our gatherings with, they come to our churches with such a bitterness. And I don't want my kids to grow up being bitter. And I don't want my kids to grow up to despise certain people because they took away their time. And so it's a reminder to me that though the future monster tries to overtake me, that if I do what God has called me to do in obedience and I parent the way he's asked me to and I love the way he's he's displayed to me and I care the way he's called me and I know that God has fulfilled his promise time and time again and that he will bring my children through the future monster, the thing that keeps us awake at night, is a thing that we can easily overcome. It doesn't mean that we don't face worries, we will. It doesn't mean that we don't face doubts and fears, we will. But in the moments when those things arise, it's important that we remember just who we serve. I love in the song when it says, You have no rival. One of my greatest displeasures in life is to watch a television show or some Cartoon depiction of Jesus and Satan as if they're going to battle, as if we speak that they have some kind of rivalry. I said this just a few, maybe a few months ago, but I love in the in in the book of Revelation when you find Satan is cast into his final judgment. You never see Jesus or the Father ever lift a finger. Matter of fact, they get some angel who the who John doesn't even tell us who the name of the angel is to almost say. This is anybody's job. Anybody can do this because he is no equal to any of us. Our biggest frustration in the face of worry is minimizing the power of God and maximizing the power of the enemy. It's what causes us to stay awake. It's what affects our families. It's what affects our day-to-day life. It's what causes us to not be as productive at work. It causes us to miss church. It causes us to have trouble in other areas. And as we go through all those things, the enemy is winning. And we look at God who has the power to overcome those things, and we have taken away His power, rendered Him powerless in our lives. Fear and the Holy Spirit can't live within the same body so we have to learn to overcome fear we have to learn to overcome worry and we have to trust that the God who's proven it time and time again will carry us to the promises that he's laid before us because he only wants good for us and if he wants good for us then we know good things will happen in our life so don't worry trust don't lay there in fear lay there in confidence knowing that God is going to take care of you your family, your job, your retirement, and more importantly, he's going to take care of you in the afterlife, in eternity, to know that your assurance is in his promises and that he is going to welcome us home with open arms. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for your grace, your love, your mercy, for your words. God, for the things that you display to our lives. God, for the countless times that you've calmed our worries and accomplished amazing things in our presence. We thank you for those. And today, God, I lift each and every person up here this morning. God, as, as we all battle worry and fear and anxiety in various ways. But God, help us to go into every situation with trust and confidence in you, realistic expectations, understanding our human limitations. God, understanding that you only want good for us and that you're going to guide us to that promised good. God, that you've called us to not worry for our children, but to lead our children. That you've called us not to worry about our marriage, but to be active within our marriage. And God, that you've not called us to worry about our church. You've called us to action within our church. That let us be compelled to move forward in complete obedience. Help us to be driven, God, in those areas. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you that chance. The greatest worry you could ever have is the worry of the afterlife. Because how things end... Is an eternal thing. And so this morning, I want to invite you to calm the greatest worry of your life in a surrender to Christ. That in surrender to Him, the assurance of where you're going will overcome those late nights when you're scared if something were to happen to you. This morning, I want to invite you that the altar is open as we pray for you. That you're invited to come forward and help let us lead you into the greatest confidence that you could ever have